0: Hello everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and as always I got my guy Yazin. What are you saying, my man?
1: Man, I'm going through a little bit of uh real NBA action withdrawal, I'm not gonna lie. All-star all-star game, I don't know if it cut it for me. I'm I'm really fiending some some legit competition right now.
0: Yeah, it's that time where I start feeling like a fiend. Those three days feel like weeks, man. So looking forward to see some NBA action this week on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, the Chappelle show skit character. Y'all got some more of them NBA games? Just scratching my bottom of my neck, you know? Tyrone Biggums. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, no doubt. And it's funny because there's no content on the NBA landscape. I happened to tune in to the G League bubble playoffs where I was watching the Raptors 905 take on the G Ignite, where they had those players who opted out of college and hopping on the G League landscape. And My Raptors 905 is looking pretty good right now. They're on to the next round semifinals. So, who would have thought I'd be talking about the G League in this podcast? But (laughs) that's, you know what? We're we're holistic. We're, you know,
1: we talk all kinds of hoops, man. G League, NBA, doesn't matter. Bring it to us.
0: Yeah, for real. Anyway, we got lots to talk about today. Once again, we'll recap the good and the bad from the NBL Store weekend. Talk about some trash talk among the best teams in the West and a controversial topic being discussed amongst NBA players. As Mark Jackson would say, Mama, there goes that beat drop. With all due respect, drop the beat. On this week's segment of Run That, we will briefly discuss our reactions to the NBA All-Star Weekend. Actually, it should be labeled as All-Star Day. Anywho, how did you like the All-Star festivities, Yasin? It felt weird. All of it in one day just just
1: didn't feel right. Not having the Rising Stars game, not having the... I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of All-Star Weekend is the celebrity game. I know I'm one of the only people who probably enjoys the celebrity game, but I like seeing just you know, rappers and and actors and actresses and politicians hoop because I like to see who's who's good. Remember like there was a stretch where Arnie Duncan, the I think he was the education minister under uh under Obama, he was this guy went off like twenty points a game, like three years in a row. I like seeing that. He was a hooper. He was a hooper, you know what I'm saying? So not having that made it kinda of feel kinda of weird. Um, you know, putting it all in one day, it's nice and compact, you know, like you get you get what you need out of it but it, there was something it just didn't it just didn't feel right you know the dunk contest was only three competitors and you know so uh, the game was whatever the game is what an all-star game always is high scoring no defense a lot of sh- you know flash and pizzazz but uh yeah i mean you know they needed to get it done in the covid you know pandemics you know scenario and uh they were able to get it done almost without a hitch and uh yeah i'm just you know, i'm ready to to get to the next half of the season
0: no i definitely share that uh, same weird feeling with you i mean i'm not going to lie i was not a fan when i heard the all-star weekend was going to be all condensed in one day but i'm sure many of the nba fans felt the same way as we like to you know Uh, have a lot of these events staggered over the course of the weekend because I mean it's it's a fun weekend you don't want everything fun to happen all at once you like to have it staggered so to speak so anyway um, I caught the skills challenge and honestly I keep getting impressed year after year as to how skilled big men are getting and usually before the all-star festivities occur I usually put a prediction as to who would win for each event. And my prediction was Chris Paul to win the skills challenge, but man, Sabonis and Vucevic were just putting on a show, and it was great to see. Nonetheless, I'm always happy when a big man wins it, so you know, kudos to Sabonis on the dub. As yeah. per as per the three point contest, I didn't want to choose Steph only because I want to see a surprise winner this year, so I went on with Zach Levine, and. Obviously, the delusion kicked in as soon as Steph cleared the first rack. Like, this guy's shooting ability is somewhat something we've never seen in our lives and he's just an absolute problem. And another thing I learned was Zach Levine is simply just an in-game shooter. So, typically, he's not built for these types of events. But anyway, Steph won that with ease. What do you think about the three-point contest?
1: I, I got to say, before we get to the three-point contest, <clears throat> I need to talk about the skills competition because... I mean, the last couple of years since they've int- they introduced big men in about 2015, I think big men have won the skills competition s- more times than guards have over that that five six year span, which is which is incredible. It's so strange to me to see a guy like Luca and a guy like CP3 lose to these seven footers, and that's just a testament to like how the NBA has changed. Really, to see Sabonis shooting threes and hitting just straight net, you know, no rim, no nothing, and- on the first try first try and making it up and down the court cp3 missed the layup you know this is the second time he's been in the skills competition and he's missed the layup uh so i don't know if the guards are not taking it seriously or if the big men are trying to prove something uh i was a little disappointed that you know julius randall didn't come out with the crown uh but you know what hey listen he plays 48 minutes a game i think it's nice for him to get a little bit of a break so you know I- i'll chalk it up to that uh but yeah it was cool to see uh sabonis you know get the win on to the three point competition. Listen, I, we talked about Steph Curry a couple episodes ago about his legacy and the. This, to me, proved that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of a basketball to ever live, bar none. Oh
0: no! Oh no! Debate. There's no debate. No he's debate. the greatest shooter of all time. That debate's over.
1: That debate is over. Shut. If you had someone to take a last second shot, a clutch shot, I think I have to go with Steph Curry at this point because he has the Ray LAUGHTER I want dollar, I mean, I don't think Kellerman wants dollar anymore. But, you know, Steph Curry is just – it was like – I think they had joked in the broadcast that, you know, Steph Curry was in the back asking who's coming in second. And everyone was like, okay, ha you know. <laughs> but it was true. He probably could have done what Larry Bird says, all right, who's shooting for second? Because he really just – it was like nothing to him. He hit that – the do ball, which is like about – a few feet be- behind the three-point line with ease. You know he missed his first couple shots, and then boom, it was it was a wrap. I'm surprised he's not in this every year and just winning it every year. He's becoming an anomaly at this point. I do not understand how it's so automatic. And there was a stretch of shots that did not touch the rim. Oh, butter. It pure butter. Yeah. Pure. Pure swish every single time, and it's just it's just normal to him. So I was in complete shock. Uh, and and awe of his just his greatness as a shooter and I I didn't think anyone was going to come close Mike Conley made it a a bit of a uh, a competition but Steph Curry I mean he's a three-point king
0: yeah I mean this is probably the only year that I wanted to see Dame versus Steph showdown at the three-point contest I feel like Dame is probably the closest to getting on Steph Curry's level and that's like just almost blasphemous for me to say but I mean it would be very very exciting to see both of those guys uh go at it. Obviously we did see that at the All-Star game which we're going to talk about in a bit, but Do you do you think he ducked him? Cuz Dane was uh, he was part of the field. Do you think he ducked him? Yeah. Uh I'm not sure to be honest. There could be a possibility that he is ducking him, but he did show up in the all-star game and you know I guess we'll talk about that in a bit but I don't know if there's anything for him to really prove and also Steph doesn't really have anything to prove with the three-point contest I think it's just more so just to have fun and also on top of that too considering it's COVID they couldn't bring a lot of outside players who didn't make the all-star weekend take part in these events right as you can see I think the only event that allowed non-all-star players to attend was the dunk contest for the most part as for the skills competition, three-point competition, uh, we're all composed of all-star players. So, um, you know, maybe maybe we'll see the opportunity where we can see Steph, Clay, and Dame. That would be pretty exciting to watch. Uh, we just got to keep our eyes open on that.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I, I You know what? One of these all-star games or one of these all-star weekends has to have, like, the ultimate of all showdowns. You need, I don't know what it's going to take to get the best three-point shooters there. I don't know what it's going to take to get you know, the best dunkers, Zion, LeBron, all these guys kind of going at it. I don't know what it's going to take. It probably won't happen, but it would be really nice to see just like a one-time big, huge all-star weekend where everyone is taking it seriously. And the one crowds are back, obviously. I think that would be a a dream come true.
0: Yeah. And just getting back to Damian Lillard, I think he's more so of an in-game shooter than an actual like skills competition kind of shooter. But it really goes to show that if Steph is able to do both of that on and off the court, that's just the greatest shooter of all time right there, my friend.
1: It's not The debate's over, guys. Anyone wants to debate us on this, don't even bother. Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. Until someone dethrones him, which we might not see ever, he's the greatest. They're, they're, let's stop
0: talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. Getting to the dunk contest, I mean... <laughs> To put it simply, it was just a snooze fest. I mean, uh, as soon as Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon decided to never dunk again, the contest should should have been discontinued. And that's just my two cents. You and, know, who I
1: blame. You know, who I blame for this. I blame. Uh, who was it that gave Aaron Gordon the nine? It was it Shaq, D Wade, and D Wade. I blame. I blame him for the dunk contest because now all these guys are so disinterested in doing it because they have people who don't know how to judge. We could Aaron Gordon still not a champion. Aaron Gordon that's crazy. Had, is that's crazy, and now he's like, Why am I gonna do this again? Like, I keep coming back, you guys keep letting me down each time. So now we have to have rookies and second year. This is all rookie. Uh, no, I think like Simons is a second year player, but you know, all guys, you know, in under 23, 22 years old, doing it. people don't know who most of them are, like the, the average NBA fan. So I blame D Wade and Shaq and whoever else gave stupid grades. So that's that's oh yeah, Shaq was in 2016. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. D Wade was last year. So they're the reasons why the dunk contest is not what it's supposed to be anymore.
0: Hey, I mean that's a valid reason. D Wade definitely ruined a moment for Aaron Gordon. That's for sure. I mean with 2016 and you know last year, Aaron Gordon, if you put it down to it, he should have won two. You know, or or at least like 2016 should have been a split between him and Zach Levine because they both put on a show. But 2020 was non-negotiable that should have been ag from the beginning to the end but obviously d wade holding down his fellow miami heat player and Derek jones jr i can't blame him but again you know he's the sole reason as to why the dunk contest is what it is but getting back to that i went with your boy opi toppin man and let's just say i was quite disappointed like in his performance and how he came came to be. I know coming out of, what, Dayton, he was like a high flyer, Blake Griffin-like player, and I thought that he was going to, like, put on a show, but I don't know. Wait. I didn't
1: see much, man.
0: What's going can on we, with can, that?
1: Can we, talk about the, can we talk about this? Okay. Uh, this dunk contest, what, listen, I don't understand how that last round was judged. It was like three to two or whatever. Okay. Let's go with the first dunk. First, first off, Cassius Stanley's first dunk was not a 44. That was much higher than a 44. Uh, he nice. had that between the legs, left-handed. Come on. That was the beginning. I was like, okay, whatever. And then you, you had Simons with the grab the ball off the top. Sure, cool. You know, Obi Toppin's first dunk, the the one where he put it behind his – through the legs behind his back and then come back windmill, 50. That's the best dunk of the night to me. That was the best dunk of the night. Okay, mm-hmm. so he makes it on to the next round. Great. We get to the second round. Okay, Toppin dunks over his dad, who's a former uh, highlight reel dunker. Dunker's Delight was his nickname. And Julius Randle. And if you see the picture of how far this man was away from the rim, you would not believe that he made the dunk. And he did. And, you know, I thought, all right, this is his to win. And then he pulls out what was just like a a weird, like, you know, long range kind of between the legs dunk where... You're not going to hit it from the free throw line, obviously. And I don't know if guys are still trying to do that. No one has done it yet. And and Simons didn't really have. He, okay, Simons. Let's go back to Simons. The kiss the rim dunk. Sir, you didn't
0: kiss the rim. Nowhere, nowhere close to the rim. Not even close. Like,
1: listen, if you're going to say, I kiss the rim, kiss the rim. Kiss it. Do it. That's what. Like, if you would kiss the rim, I'm giving you a 50. You win the whole thing. But he was like at least half a foot away from it. And you gave them a higher score off that one. Listen, they had a great cast of judges. It was like a lot of former dunk contest winners, which is, I think what it should be because they were not giving out fifties, which is great. But they also missed the mark on the, those last couple of dunks. Simons did not deserve to win that one. Toppin's last dunk wasn't great either, but it probably should have gone to a dunk off and had them keep going. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It wasn't, I think Toppin probably should have won.
0: Yeah, I think I think the dunk off they probably wouldn't have any time considering this at halftime. But I think they just have to go with a quick winner, and you know it is what it is. That day, dunk contests are hit or miss. Luckily, we're able to see really from what I remember, three dunk contests in our lifetime that were like up there. You know, you got the the 2000s dunk contest with Vince Carter, and then you got the 2016 with A. G. and Zach Levine, then you got the sequel with those two in 2020. So. Those are the only ones that I remember that were really good. Outside of that, they were either mediocre or just a a snooze.
1: Yeah, I mean the fact that I think you're right the fact that it was during halftime they couldn't really give them all the time that they wanted uh and they couldn't have gone to a dunk off if this was on a saturday i think these guys also these guys for the most part were nailing it off the first dunk which we don't see that often and that's really cool because i think NBA needs to change the way it it grades it you know if if you miss after the first dunk you should automatically lose points on the next one so that you know we don't keep going on and i know they have like the whole attempts thing and everything but Yeah, if they had given them more time, I think we could have probably had a better show. And it's a lot of the fact that because a lot of people don't know who these guys are. You know, you and I know who these guys are. I know where all these guys, you know, went to high school and college, you know, but the layman doesn't know who who, who these guys are. So it's not going to be exciting for them. And hopefully next year when we're in person and it's going to be in Cleveland, which is going to suck. But I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. What's so good about Cleveland? you know when we have everyone in and there's a whole crowd it should be fun again
0: yeah for sure so uh getting to the all-star game itself to me it was mostly meh kind of boring for the most part other than Steph and dame running the show with their half-court shots team lebron was just simply too stacked so i mean kudos to team lebron for the dub and Also, I'd like to add shout-out to Team Fata for the Dove via polls. The listeners have spoken, man. Hold on.
1: You're not (laughs) going to skirt over that a little bit. You are not going to skirt over that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Guys, my team had four of the five Team LeBron starters on it, and I still lost in the poll. Did you not see what happened yesterday? Come on, sir. Giannis went perfect from the field. Steph went crazy. Come on. You're telling me I drafted pretty much the same starting lineup as Team LeBron, who won by 20 points. And I lost, what,
0: 75% to 25%? Unbelievable. My bench, Damian Lillard, was literally the difference.
1: Unbelievable. This was rigged. This was completely fabricated against me. Listen, I don't know who you paid off to get all these votes, but... This was, this was not, this should not have been a landslide. I had the better team. We saw it yesterday. Guys, case closed. I won.
0: Yo, first of all, let's put some respect on Fatou Jury's name. bro. I'm in the house. <laughs> put it that way, man. But um, all in all, I mean, like, it was an all right game. I mean, there was flashes of, like, excitement amongst those three-point shooters and Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. And then seeing a couple smaller guys finishing off alley oops and steph curry and cp3 so that was pretty fun to watch Giannis, i mean no one was really guarding him so i guess and all of the shots were like literally high percentage dunks and layups so i wasn't shocked that he shot perfect from the floor but i kind of hoped that it was going to be a close game it is what it is at the end of the day uh, what did you think about the game
1: I I really enjoyed uh, selfishly seeing you know Julius Randle get on. He didn't he didn't play that much, which was good. I I don't I don't want him to, to play too much. This guy, probably for Tom, a probably for a reason because Tom Thibodeau destroys him every game. Plays him forty eight minutes a game. So it was nice for him to just kind of you know hang out. It was nice to him to possibly play with future teammates Zach Levine, um, you know Damian Lillard. But that's a whole other story. That's a other, that's a whole other conversation to be had. Um, but yeah, I mean it was it was what it was. The, the new format is still still pretty cool. It, it works best when it's a when it's a close game to to have teams kind of go for it. And you know that when they're down by 3, they're all just going to keep trying to chuck it up from half court, which we saw Steph was doing it. Dame hit it off his first, so that's always fun to see. And it's gr- I mean, it gr- didn't end on a free throw, which is all we can ask for because last year was brutal ending on a free throw, but all in all, yeah, uh, it, was, it was it was okay, you know. It was it was nice to to see nice to see Steph and LeBron, I think for the first time I don't know when they've ever teamed up, maybe Team USA, but to see those guys team up, it's, it's, it's always fun.
0: All-Star weekend, it's always something to watch, and we're looking forward to seeing that next year with fans and celebrities and all kinds of events uh, going on. So really looking forward to it. The next question on Rundat is regarding the All-Star draft. During the All-Star draft, there were some comments that rubbed the Utah Jazz the wrong way. After Utah Jazz players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were selected as the last two picks in the draft, there was discussion as to why the Utah Jazz, who are the first in the West, are getting disrespected. LeBron James used an analogy that we all understand, and it goes as follows. I just want to say something because there's no slander to the Utah Jazz, but you guys got to understand, just like in video games growing up, we never played with Utah. So with that said... Do you think that LeBron James was out of line with that comment? What do you think? <laughs> I knew I knew
1: Rudy Gobert was going to get selected last. I, I like if if anyone bet on that, they would have probably made some good money. I didn't think Donovan Mitchell would also get picked last. This Utah Jazz slander—I I didn't understand it at first, right? I thought it was just like a a Rudy Gobert thing, right? And then when obviously I saw Donovan Mitchell there, I was like, oh, okay, this is more to it. And then LeBron kind of said, like, you know, like I didn't grow up. Rooting for the Jazz. Like, obviously, everyone, most people grew up, you know, rooting for Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And, you know, the Jazz were kind of seen as like, uh, I guess, the bad guys, the heels, of, you know, uh, so to speak. And I didn't realize that this was actually a real thing, that people just genuinely don't like the Jazz because of the 90s. And, you know, now the Jazz are the best team in the league and they're, you know, not slowing down. And, You know, they have, I think what, what, what works for them is they have Rudy Gobert and people don't like Rudy Gobert because of the whole COVID situation last year. Uh, And Donovan Mitchell now complaining about ref calls, which we'll talk about in a bit. So they're kind of sinking into their, their roles as like the bad guys. And you know what it's, it's kind of interesting to see now because now every single jazz game is going to get magnified, especially against the big teams. We're going to start seeing them pla playing each other a little more closely, playing each other, a little more snugly, you know, hitting each other a little bit more. And it's going to be uh it's going to be really cool to see. Uh, it, it's nice to have a, a rivalry, you know, it's nice to look at a rivalry and have two teams or, or more who are, who are really good and, and, and just generally don't like each other. And, Yeah, (laughs) I got a kick out of it. And I got a kick out of seeing Gobert. He was on Twitch or something wearing an old Stockton and Malone NBA Jam t-shirt. Like They're embracing it, which is always fun. So uh, it's definitely cool to see and and very strange and random, but uh, definitely going to be fun to
0: watch. I personally didn't take offense to what LeBron said, but I wouldn't be mad if if people say that LeBron may be out of pocket with that comment. The reason why I say that is because... The Jazz didn't really prove anything in the playoffs as of yet. They've just shown that they're a good regular season team. And I sympathize with them because they do remind me of the 2018 Raptors who were first in the East. And we all know where that story ended. Oh, come on, man. I do think that everyone is trying to communicate in their own way by saying that we need to see more from the Jazz. And maybe that's what LeBron was trying to get at. But the 2K comment, I feel like, was a little ruthless he could have got his message across in a better manner, but it's Braun, So what can he do? But I mean, also, have you ever played with the Utah Jazz on 2K? I frankly haven't. So which, which is why, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I, I wouldn't, I didn't personally take offense to it. And again, I'm not a Jazz fan. If he said that about the Raptors, I might take offense to it because even then, no one really plays with the Toronto Raptors, but I do. So. Um, I could see and sympathize with Utah Jazz fans as to why they feel that way. The Utah Jazz, the first in the West, still haven't proven anything. They're a good regular season team. Let's see how it translates in the playoffs. And I have the perfect background and expertise to really display that, right? Because the Raptors haven't really shown anything. And then LeBronto, LeBronto, LeBronto. So the Utah Jazz got to show me something. And if they're able to make some noise, cause some havoc in the Western Conference, then. Maybe more heads will turn towards their side and have some sympathy towards them. But the 2K comment, you know, just keep that to yourself. We all know deep down the side is our, it's our little secret. We don't play with the Utah Jazz, but you don't have to blast them. Come on, <laughs> Come on bro. I mean, it's already bad enough living in
1: Utah. Uh, you know, now you got to actually put their fans on blast too. And, and I think it might be a thing because there's been kind of a history of fans being uh, a little, how do you put it? malicious in utah and salt lake city and i think i think it was russell westbrook one year who got a fan kicked out or something and they maybe have brought that upon themselves as a fan base and it's going to be fun to see these matchups now because you're going to see Rudy Gobert and, and and Donovan Mitchell try to try to prove themselves and it might get physical and we might see like a return to, you know, 90s basketball with uh when people genuinely don't like each other and you know I don't, I didn't see how they interacted with each other at the All-Star game but you know you got to think that they have a chip on their shoulder and that they want to they want to prove something to the rest of the NBA.
0: facts so Yeah, let's just see what the Jazz can do, and hopefully they can show why they're the first in the West and being able to get deep into the playoffs as they should, being that top team. Let's go ahead to our final question around that, which stems towards a more controversial side where we have issues swirling around the NBA as of late, and that is the NBA officiating. NBA players have expressed their concern over the inconsistent whistle, which led to terrible outcomes in some great games as of late. From the Devin Booker ejection versus the Lakers to Donovan Mitchell's ejection in OT versus the Sixers, down to a technical foul on Montrez Harrell for simply screaming and one. With that said, do you think the NBA officiating is becoming a concern?
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to flip this one to you, Mr. Refs Don't Like Me. Uh, you, know, you, you seem to have a, a great history with, with fighting refs, so I, I, I want to see your take first before I make up my opinion.
0: Hey, man, at the end of the day, there's always a respect level, right? There has to be some kind of resume expertise when it comes to refs. And to me, it's definitely becoming a theme in the NBA where there's an abuse of power with these NBA officials. And the trend also shows as well that the refs drastically sway the game with emotional calls, happen to be refs that don't have a legitimate NBA resume of officiating games. When you're looking at guys like, Zach Zarba, Ken Maurer, or even Tony Brothers, who I'm not very fond of, they're not even like relative to this mess. Like they're they're not the ones that are doing this deliberately, right? They're 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 calling their calls based on their 20 plus years of NBA officiating expertise. And it simply is just a bunch of no names who can really seem to keep their emotions in check when they're challenged. And I feel like the commissioner of the NBA refs, who happened to be i think a former ref i forget his name but he really needs to take the refs into a town hall sit them down figure out ways to ensure that the games that are dictated by plays and not by whistles so with that said i definitely understand where the players are come from in terms of frustration but it all comes down to those senior nba officials and the league to really sit down and to ensure that game flow is not interrupted and NBA games are officiated professionally and not emotionally. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, we've seen a uh, we've seen a lot of freshman refs lately, a lot of new referees in the game, and we, I have seen that it has been a little bit of a um, you know an issue with, with some of these newer refs who who aren't taken too kindly to players being expressed. And I think we started this conversation with Draymond Green, right? Where Draymond Green, you know, basically kind of went off on, on the refs. As he does. And then, you know, we had that Knicks game where he was ejected for yelling at his own teammate. And, you know, that was to me was like, oh, okay, I thought it was an isolated incident. And then the Booker ejection, who uh, got fouled pretty hard by KCP that same game and like had a reason to be mad, like had a had a gripe, like a guy came at him um and Mitchell as well with you saw Embiid kind of playing towards like hey you're gonna give this guy a call you can't be influenced by by players to make calls like that especially in close games overtime games uh so I I do feel for the uh for the players because a lot of these refs are it's their first kind of real experience with NBA players and uh and in the league and it's as you notice it's a lot of superstars too who are getting the treatment like who you know, aren't getting the benefit of the doubt and refs aren't swallowing their whistles, which you want that in, in the NBA, you, you don't want the game dictated by the referees too much. You want them to call it the obvious stuff, right? You don't want them to nitpick and say, Oh, this could have been, should have been whatever. Uh, and that, that has been an issue. And, you know, I'm hoping that it gets solved soon because, you know, it's going to get grittier. I think, I think, you know, the way that the game is now, like it wasn't physical for a while, uh and now i think we're getting to a point where like it's it's getting more physical and referees have to be more patient with their calls right and 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 not to just you know go off and and make any any call possible so uh we're going to see this trend continue uh and it's going to be a debate and yeah i do think that the nba ref association is going to have to uh address this because the championships and seasons could be won or lost on a whistle. Everyone knows this, you know, this isn't uh Absolutely. this isn't a new thing. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we're going to see them kind of pick it up and we let, let them play a little bit, you know, that that's what we want. We want them to play.
0: Yeah. The real question is, do you think that an NBA ref is going to get snuffed this season? I, I, I kind of want to put my money down on one man. At least one is going to get snuffed in a game. <laughs> and who, who's, who's, who's throwing it? That's another I question. Think, you know what? It, it might be Draymond Green on his sixteenth technical foul that puts him in a one game suspension. <laughs> He's gonna make a good use out of that one for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? Get your money's worth at that point, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I I do think that it's it's gonna get a little it's gonna get a little crazy as we go on. And, and they have a they have a reason to to have a gripe. So NBA refs, let them let them play and and just let let's just enjoy basketball and, and not have it too complicated, right?
0: Yeah, the NBA Refs Association gotta get this out of control before things get way out of hand, especially in high leverage moments. And I know a lot of people are not gonna like that. So I firmly believe in the NBA senior officials who've done a great job over the last twenty plus years to be able to put a game plan together to ensure that games are rough professionally, to make things better for not only the players but also the fans as well watching the game. So whenever we that.
1: uh whenever we talk about the referees uh, I always rem- remember the clip of the one referee who goes up to Michael Jordan when he was in the who's on the Wizards, and he asks Michael Jordan. He goes, "Mike, did he touch you?" And Mike goes, "Yeah." He goes, calls the foul. And he goes, "I, I didn't see him, Mike, but I believe you. I believe you, Mike."
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds you of Tim Donaghy, man. The gambling ref. <laughs> he probably like, got yeah, a prop going on. Plus, uh, yeah, over under fouls.
1: Perhaps. <laughs> hey, there might be more of them. You never know. A lot of refs come from the same place sometimes. Uh, apparently, a lot of them come from the Philadelphia area. So, hey, I think it's one high school there in, in, in Philadelphia. I don't know, Cardinal O'Hara or something like that, where all these refs come from. So, maybe we don't take refs from there and, and kind of spread it out a little bit. But,
0: yeah, hopefully that's not the case. Let's let's just, let's just hope that's not the case. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, that wraps up Rundat. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. Ayo, hey, what the f***? My AO Moment of the Week goes to an event that occurred during All-Star Weekend, but not on the Sunday. It occurred on Saturday night when there was a two-on-two celebrity ball event between oh 2 Chains and Lil Baby. This is Jack Harlow and Quavo. <laughs> <laughs> I was intrigued considering Quavo and 2 Chains have been quite popular on Instagram ball scene where they post their little mixtapes, or little ball runs that they have here and there. So, I decided to tune in with excitement, and real talk, five minutes in, I was appalled by the level of play I was witnessing from all these four. <laughs> the sloppiest game of 21 I've ever seen. It made me realize that, frankly, you and me, Yazin, could easily skunk these cats on live television, but unfortunately, we're just average Joes and they're celebrities. At the end of the day, it was a complete waste of two hours of my time, outside of the fact that Bobby Schmurda actually made a small appearance at halftime. That was me, hey. my only highlight that Saturday night, but... Just those, the two on two celebrity game was absolutely horrible. And they really need to bring better celebrities who can hoop that can make things a better experience for the fans. How about you? What do you I, think I don't of that?
1: know. I don't know why that game was played. I don't know who hosted it. I Maybe mean, it was Bleacher Report or something. This yes, is why Bleacher. we need the full, you know, rising, uh, not the rising side, the full celebrity game to see these guys not in a two on two setting, but in a five on five setting because. I, you could, t- like, you've seen the, the, you know, the IG mixtapes where I think he has Quavo who kind of plays uh with all these NBA players, and I don't know who the hell Jack Harlow is, but I'm, I
0: guess I'm a little washed, but... Yo, uh, come on, man. Jack Harlow?
1: No idea who that is. Let's nope. hop
0: in. Brand new Lynch, just us hop in. Come oh, on, Oh, that's his song. Yeah, bro. That's him. Bro. I thought it was Lil Baby. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, or no. No Baby. One of the babies. I don't know. Bruh. <laughs> but <laughs> showing my age here, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I I didn't know who I guess I didn't know who is, but two on twos are never are never fun to watch, man. It's just it's not it's just not conducive to a good competitive game. And watching those watching those shots go up was just uh, and I, I I couldn't I couldn't stomach it. I'm surprised you actually watched watched it and went through the whole thing. I saw some clips and I was like, thank God I avoided this one at all costs.
0: No, listen, I, I watched two hours of it. And by halftime, it was like 12-6. And I'm like, oh, my oh. God. I just I just checked out and I just started following it on Twitter where Quavo ended up hitting the game winner finally. I think it was like 21, I want to say 21-14. There was a halftime in a game with 21? Yeah, bro. It was brutal. And I think 2 changed. like, to be honest, he looked intoxicated. I think he was on some shit, man, to be honest. <laughs> like, surprised? he was moving slowly in the post. And I'm like, this is not a good look. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm glad I avoided that one for sure. My AO moment of the week—it doesn't come from the NBA basketball court; it comes from the wrestling ring, uh, and it comes from Shaquille O'Neal making his debut in AEW
0: wrestling. Oh my god, that was hilarious!
1: I don't know for those like I said, I I said this a couple weeks ago. uh, I know I am a wrestling fan and basketball fan, so when the two worlds come together, I get hype so we saw a match uh between cody rhodes and a female wrestler named red velvet against shaquille o'neal and a six foot four or five uh female wrestler by the name of jade cargill and it was it was incredible these like to see shaq in the ring you really don't understand how big he is when he's not standing next to someone who's like six eight six nine cody rhodes is probably six one maybe six two and he was towered by him but watching Shaq hoist him up hit him with a power bomb chop him across the chest and then the coup de grade the best moment of the whole thing Shaq is a favorite <laughs> Cody Rhodes flies at this man cross body both of them go through two tables, <laughs> and Shaq. I I think the uh, the gif is online. He's just dead. He's eyes closed, knocked out completely, just fully out of it. And he took it like a champ. Uh, and and he was there at All Star Weekend, so it looks like he recovered well. But uh, it was it's a good AO moment for me because I love seeing that kind of crossover. We've seen guys like Dennis Rodman, Karl Malone. We've seen Shaq. This is probably his third time now doing something in wrestling. Fourth time, so watching NBA players, you know, get into the ring and uh, and athletes just in general, it, it's so cool to watch. And and Shaq was moving fluidly for a seven footer man. You know, I, I'm I'm hoping that we get a match with him in the Big Show or something. And just you know, like to, I want to see more of Shaq wrestling. It was very fun to watch.
0: Gotta be a like a WrestleMania thing. I kind of want to see like a celebrity match between like Shaq and Rob Gronkowski, man. That's that's gonna be a hilarious matchup.
1: Oh, hey, Rob Gronkowski, was, he he was signed last year. If he didn't come back to the Buccaneers, you probably would have seen him wrestle a little bit more. He uh, he won a championship in WWE. Little do people know.
0: But, oh, wow. So uh, yeah, getting a WWE championship and a Super Bowl ring. Damn. In the same year. So kudos to
1: him. I mean, I wish we got to see more of him. But, I mean, Shaq, lifelong fan. It's fun to watch. I want to see him and Charles Barkley in a wrestling ring. Like, go at it. Let him throw down. I don't know how well Charles Barkley will move around, but uh, it will be <laughs> it's really fun to watch. Just watching Shaq go through two tables and just lay out was, gosh, so funny.
0: And if there is a Barkley versus Shaq wrestling match, I feel like the winner gets Shaq's rings. So I'm hoping that if Barkley wins that, Shaq cannot use the, I got, I got rings, your, your argument doesn't mean anything. <laughs> put, put, hey, put the
1: championship on the line, man. And, you know Charles Barkley is going to come out there, and, and the round mound of rebound is going to really come up and show up to get those rings, man. That's, just, that's terrible, Kenny. That's, that's just terrible, Kenny.
0: <laughs> oh, man, for real, for real. All right, so that's our AO moment of the week. Let's head on over to games of the week. I love this game! <laughs> When I look at the schedule, I mean, there were so many good games this week to choose from. We're talking about Suns and Blazers, Warriors Clippers, just to name a few. But my game of the week is an Eastern Conference showdown between the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets on March 11th. We got James Harden, Kyrie Irvin against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's going to be a fantastic game. Probably very offensive-oriented game with a little defense, which is the perfect recipe for us fans. So I'm really looking forward to that showdown. How about you guys? And what's your game of the week?
1: Oh man. Well, it it is a bit of a shortened week this week, Um, you know, with, with the NBA all-star weekend. Um, So you, like you said, you did name a, a lot of good games there, you know, Phoenix, Portland, things like that. My game of the week is actually a little bit different. You know, the Eastern conference is such a, uh, is so close now that all these kind of Eastern Conference games to me are are very much important. Um, so I'm I'm looking to forward to seeing the Miami Heat against the Chicago Bulls on uh, Friday, March 12th Both teams are in that playoff race. You know, it's probably separated by less than a game, uh, you know, or, or a game or so. Every game is crucial when you're playing a team like that uh, in in that sort of range. Both of these teams probably could and should make the playoffs. So you're in the second half of the season now. And now every game is starting to matter a little bit more so i like these matchups here where it's teams who are vying for that those coveted eastern conference playoff spots from like the fourth seed down to the 10th it's wide open maybe two games separating separating four from uh, from 11 so you know any game between those two teams is going to be fun for me to watch
0: yeah that's a good point because even on thursday we got the atlanta Hawks the Toronto raptors that's going to be a a pretty good game as well and obviously considering that you mentioned between 4th and 11th what there's like a difference of four games and mm-hmm. they're and they're within that gap respectively so that's going to be a very interesting shake-up depending on what the result is on both of those games frankly so looking forward to watching all the games this week like I said we're going through a withdrawal I kind of don't want to watch G League games anymore so Thursday please come by please please <laughs> that's our games of the week Let's, uh, let's go to Boy Talk. So all your
1: blog boys and your fanboys that's going to
0: use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? So we got two questions. Our first question is, who would you start a franchise over tomorrow? Lamella Ball or Ben Simmons? Personally, for me, I prefer players that can show me a little bit of everything when it comes to shooting, defense, playmaking, rebounding, just to name a few. The reason being is that if you have a solid player development program in place, that can easily elevate your player to new heights, even if most of those skills are average at best. To me, Lamella Ball, from a prospect standpoint, has everything you can ask for in a player. He got playmaking ability with his elite court vision passing. He's turned it around with the shooting over the course of the season and scoring at at an all-star level, as it's crucial to today's three-point heavy NBA. Also showing some defensive ability, being top five in the NBAs and steals. On top of all that, he's got the marketing appeal as a face of a franchise that fans and players of a team can support. With that said, I would value that, building a franchise over Ben Simmons. Simmons, to me, doesn't show promise enough offensively with his shooting or the willingness to shoot outside of his playmaking ability and defense. His game isn't pretty, and all he needed to do was to get his shooting to, at the average level, bare minimum average level, but the unwillingness to adapt is very unattractive if I'm a GM. So that's my reason as to why I'll take LaMelo Ball to start a franchise. Also, to just to note, LaMelo Ball is doing all this at 19 years old. So that really speaks volumes if you're trying to build a franchise from the bottom up. That's my take. How about you?
1: Man, this is a good question. Um, gosh, we've talked a lot about Ben Simmons and his inability to you know, develop a three-point shot now in what year? Four, five um and it's it's starting to become a concern that he still can't get it together everything else he does fantastically he's a great defender uh he's a great passer Uh, he plays good defense he he's really well-rounded but that three-point shot still has not has not come in and in this day and age the the three-point shot is is very valuable uh lamello really his one knock was his defense uh going into his nba career you know we've seen his uh his cherry picking prowess when he was in high school and how he didn't really do yeah. much on defense 93 points and just kind of ho- hovered around and he he really disciplined himself to 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 play defense and he's fourth in steals right now 1.6 steals a game um which which is you know pretty incredible for for a rookie especially at 19 years old he does play point guard point guard is definitely a position that is very important. I guess Ben Simmons kind of plays point guard. I, every week it seems to change. Don't know what he plays at this point. He's kind of positionless. I might agree with you and and go with LaMelo Ball here because, you know, you have the shooting, you have the playmaking ability. He wants the ball in the clutch. He he has that kind of killer instinct and he's already improved his defense and he's not even done year 1 yet. Like we thought maybe his defense would be a little bit of a project here, but again, when you're averaging almost 2 steals a game, you're, you're doing pretty well on the defensive end so uh, I'd probably go with LaMelo Ball here because I think he's not even scratched the surface as to how good he can be.
0: Yeah, and LaMelo Ball is everything we expected Lonzo Ball to be but and more. Unfortunately didn't Yeah, unfortunately it just didn't happen. All right. So the second question, our final question that we got here is regarding Blake Griffin. So as you are probably aware Blake Griffin has been bought up by the Detroit Pistons and has immediately signed to the Brooklyn Nets on a veteran minimum deal. Does the Nets acquisition of Blake Griffin move the needle for the Brooklyn Nets?
1: Uh, I was really afraid of this. I wanted Blake to be freed at all costs, and they sent and then he goes to Brooklyn, like of all places, he goes to Brooklyn, right? You know, I wanted him to to flourish and to be free, and he goes to the one team I hate the most. And I really like Blake Griffin. I, that's the real problem is that I enjoy Blake Griffin. I think he's an incredible player. Doesn't move the needle. Mm, I can't really say it does. He's not the same player. He's averaging career lows this year twelve points a game. Like we said, hasn't dunked in in two years. His his role is going to be to come off the bench to be a little bit of a distraction for when those superstars are on. You know, the court. Uh, to be able to hit a, a a three point jumper to make his own sort of basket he won't be in there for long his his knees won't won't, won't hold up and they won't require him to be a focal point at all so doesn't move the needle i mean it helps for sure their their bench is pretty thin anyway so this is definitely going to help and you know they're going to be in the buyout market you know as much as they possibly can so it's a good move does it change a lot no not really and unless Blake Griffin has just been you know playing around the last two years and then just comes and throws like a 360 windmill between the legs alley you dunk on his first dunk attempt I think you know that has kind of that ship has sailed a little bit on Blake Griffin so he's going to do what he needs to do he's going to be a good addition off the bench but uh, I don't think it changes drastically their championship chances I think they're still
0: considered a favorite with or without him I think this move is definitely a, a wild card so to speak when you think about it, Blake Griffin for the majority of his career has always been a number one, if not a number two option on his teams, on his respective teams. Now he's going to Brooklyn where he's probably the fourth option at the, very, at the very most, the fourth option. And considering how loaded the team is from a star perspective, the expectation for Blake Griffin is quite little to say the least. So that's why I feel some sense of optimism that it may move the needle. I do understand that he's going to be coming off the bench to start, but I think eventually what Brooklyn Nets are trying to do is to get him to a point where he is playable to start. Again, people say that he's not the same, but it could be because of the burden he's been carrying, right? And that impacted his health, being able to carry all that load, jumping all the time, and now it comes to a point where Brooklyn could really use some of his playmaking ability, you know, you have another guy who can who can see the floor, who can who could, who has flashes of elite passing ability and when it all comes down to it, he's simply an upgrade from Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, that's simply not not negotiable. I mean, uh all we really expect from Blake Griffin right now is to probably put up 12 to 13 points a game, you know, even that's a lot. Yeah, lot. even that's a lot. Even that's a lot. Just, just to be able to use your presence, um, and being able to just, just play basketball. That's all that the Brooklyn Nets want. They just want a guy that's been there before, that just plays basketball, right? That has experience in playing in high leverage games and has been that dude on his respective team, and and just let the other guys handle it. So I really like the the move that Brooklyn has done, and like you mentioned, they're gonna be big players in the buyout market, you know, they're going to need a bit more shooting on the bench. I can see someone like Wayne Ellington, you know, being scooped up. You know, again, Brooklyn Nets are literally a free ring for some of these guys that are coming in the buyout market. If they can get another capable big, God forbid, if Andre Drummond heads on over to Brooklyn Nets, I mean, it's it's, it's over. It's legit over. Like right now it's like 95% over. If Drummond is on that team, it's 150% over. Like it's a wrap. It's our rap team. You know what I'm saying? So,
1: <laughs> I don't know about all that. I, I'm ho- Listen, I normally I would root for Blake Griffin. Sorry, Blake. You've joined the enemies. You've joined the dark side. I'm not going to be rooting for you. Uh, I hope the Brooklyn Nets do not win a championship. I'm going to put that out in the universe. But yeah, I mean, this sucks. This makes them better, I guess, whatever.
0: Yeah. And poor Giannis for trying to sign a Supermax. Like, idiotic. I get people want to secure the bag, but man. Now you got these guys, well, at least the, the big three in Kyrie, James Harden, and Katie that are still locked in for like another, what, two, three years in Brooklyn. And that's pretty much majority of Giannis' supermax. So... He's not seeing no ring anytime soon, so he should have just waited until free agency to see what the situation is and put himself in a better situation to succeed. He chose to be loyal, I guess, and now if Drew Holiday were to walk away, then that's gonna be really bad. So we'll see what happens. He got it he got
1: his money, he got the the biggest contract of all time at the point. So but yeah, like you said, if he just waited until the summer, you could have seen some some different teams uh, you know kinda of stock up. The Heat, the Knicks, a lot of teams that had cap space were were still pretty good teams as of now. And if if Giannis was there could have made them even better. So uh yeah, he's gonna have to contend with that that, that big three over there in Brooklyn. And I feel bad for Giannis but you know what? That's his choice. He has to he has to live with it. And you know, the Bucks are now cash strapped so the, the Nets are the favorite, and it sucks to say, but the Nets are the favorite in the East. We're just gonna, at least for me, I'm gonna hope that they play a powerhouse in the West that just comes to to ball out. So, gosh, June can't come soon enough.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Really looking forward to see what the what the East is shaping up to be. I mean, there's a lot of key players in the conference, and again, the bio market is going to be real interesting. It's going to be a legit arms rates. The rich get richer, so we'll see what happens. No doubt. All right. So with that said, that wraps up our episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, GamePointPod Pod on IG and GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms, as mentioned. Add reviews if you can; that'll be greatly appreciated. Is there anything like the idioms before we take off? Hey, we got to
1: 100 followers on IG. Let's go! A round of applause. Yeah. All right. Let's go. First milestone, guys, we hit the first hundred. This is fantastic news. the next hundred we we're, we're, we're gonna keep going we're gonna try to get the five hundred a thousand let's let's grow the brand let's let people know if you're enjoying it. let people know, man, you know share it to people who don't watch basketball, who do watch basketball who 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 need to catch up on some things who need you know a little break here during the pandemic and you know, on their walk around for an hour or so, just let people know and, you know, show us some love. We'll show you some love back. And uh, yeah, 100 followers. So it's really great. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. And we're going to keep trying to pump out as much quality content as we possibly can.
0: Speaking of brand, I mean, we got we got a little surprise now that we hit the 100 follower mark. So uh, stay tuned on that. Follow our IG where we're going to do a little surprise potential raffle for some key prizes so once again we appreciate the support and cheers to the next hundred so with that being said we'll end it off that's game